A warm welcome to episode 15 of the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. My name is Sheil and I'll be your host. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the listeners out there finding this podcast and inviting it into your life. Right now, serendipitously, perhaps at this very moment in time, the universe is speaking to you through this podcast and perhaps revealing answers to you. With gratitude for your time and may this podcast be of most benefit to you. I'd like to dedicate this episode to all the alternative healing practitioners, spiritual teachers, wellness coaches, mentors, and health advocates around the globe for their continued commitment in helping others heal and awaken to live healthy, empowered, and content lives with inner peace and wisdom. In this episode, cranial sacral therapist Janelle Houston talks to us about using cranial sacral therapy as a support to release trauma. She talks to us about steps on how to release disturbing emotions and much more. May this podcast and all of its episodes be of most benefit to you, the listeners. Enjoy. To always get notified of a new podcast, please press follow on the top of your screen. To be part of our Instagram community, we are at Discovering Alternative Healing. Hope to see you there. Additionally, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to drop me a message on the Anchor platform or Instagram. May you continue to be nourished by the power of consciousness. Hello, Janelle. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sheil. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All the way, a Scottish, all the way from Dubai. Yes. <laughs> um, I would like to uh, start off by asking you if you could please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to the path of craniosacral work. Yes, when I was pregnant with my eldest, my son, I had sciatica, which is quite common in pregnancy. And I was in quite a lot of pain. And I was recommended by a friend to go see an osteopath. So I had been to physio before, but not an osteopath. And part of the osteopath, their training is cranial sacral therapy. So she did do that for me. And I felt so much benefit. But actually, when I had my son, he wouldn't sleep. He cried all the time. So again, I was recommended to take him to an osteopath for cranial. The only time he didn't cry was on the way home in the car um, after the session. So this really piqued my interest a lot. So how is like, how did the cranial work on your son? And how did it work on you? Yeah, so cranial is, so there's osteopaths study cranial sacral therapy as part of their degree. What I've studied, you don't have to be an osteopath. So this is what's called biodynamic cranial sacral therapy. So there's no manipulation, no cracking. We're working with the body's natural ability to heal itself. So what happens with cranial is we are down-regulating our nervous system 
and inviting the person on the table to downregulate their nervous system, most of us are in either fight and flight or freeze. Your body can only heal itself efficiently when it's in rest and digest. So we're helping the body come down the nervous system into rest and digest to allow the body to heal. So with my son in particular, he now at nearly nine years old, I understand he's prone to anxiety. That pattern was already there as a baby, this high energy, frustration, anxiousness. So the cranial was allowing his little system to calm down. So he had space to breathe. He could relax. Yeah. Wow. I'll transition into asking you, what is craniosacral work? Hmm. So it has roots in osteopathy. It was founded around 100 years ago. And um, it's a very gentle touch therapy. So there's no rule with where you sort of start with your touch on the body. I, For me, I always start at the ankles and finish at the ankles because it gives me and the client a reference point as to the shift in their system throughout. What we're doing, as I said, we're working with the nervous system. So we, in our bodies, our system has an innate intelligence to come back to health. So the way I explain it is if you live in the jungle, you break a bone in your leg and you can't get to the doctor, your bone will heal. You may walk with a limp, you may even have pain for the rest of your life, but the bone will heal. Even if you chop the top of your finger off, sorry, it's a bit gory, as long as you stem the flow of blood, the body will work to heal itself. In a body riddled with cancer, until you take your dying breath, there is still health in the body. And this is called in cranial, the breath of life. So this is what we're working with. We're working with the life force Let's say somebody comes in with a sore shoulder. We don't necessarily make contact with that sore shoulder. We may come to the healthy shoulder to remind that sore shoulder what it feels like to be healthy again. So it's quite a different way of working. You know, if you go for physio, the focus is on the point of pain. We're really reminding the body about the health. I understand. So, for example, you would work you would work on the total body, but then you also go to the part of the body that is opposite and and shift the energy to remind that, that the, the part of the body that is needing healing, hey, this is this is what it feels like. So yes and no. Okay. So there's we follow with the biodynamic cranial sacral therapy that I do we follow what we call the inherent treatment plan so when I take the person's history logically I might say in my mind they have a sore shoulder I'm going to come to the sore shoulder when I come to that person's body that body might speak to my system and say the pain is in the low back so I might come to hold the low back never touch the shoulder and they leave feeling better with their shoulder so there's never a set treatment plan. It varies case to case and depending on what the person needs in each session. What I'm curious about is how is cranial sacral work different from Reiki? Yeah, so <laughs> for me, because I am spiritual, cranial is a very spiritual experience. 
cranial is very much science based. Like I say, it's got roots in osteopathy. We so when you study cranial, we're working with the physical body. We're not talking about the emotions. We're not talking about the energetic body. Reiki is all about the energy. But because I do the cranial sacral therapy and the energy healing, so when I'm working on a person, I'm working on all levels. But cranial is more on the physical side. I see. Curious if there are any health conditions where you should not use cranial sacral work. Yeah, so for sure, if somebody's had a recent head fracture, a skull injury, um, could be blood disorders, osteoporosis, um, recent surgery. So of course, because cranial is not forcing anything, it can be great to help healing. But if somebody comes for cranial and they've had surgery, we would always want the all clear from their surgeon first. And also things like aneurysms, hemorrhages, things like that we wouldn't work with. What are the benefits of cranial sacral healing? So for me, a big one with the way I do it, it works on all levels. So when somebody comes for me, the session's very much working on the physical level. It is very much working on the emotional level. So we have suppressed emotions stuck in the body, stored trauma. Somebody doesn't even need to talk. I've had people lying on the table and I can feel grief coming out of their system and they cannot feel it. They're not aware of it, but they sit up from the table and they just feel lighter. So an aspect for me that's a huge benefit of cranial is the fact that people don't need to talk. And I work with a lot of children and I always say to the parents, if your child wants to come and literally talk about the weather, talk about school, it doesn't have to be a deep conversation. The process will still unfold. Another benefit is it's very much goes on the basis of where the client is ready to go on that day. We're not forcing anything. It's absolutely the person's body, the person's system goes to where it's ready to. Um, another one for me that I get, I can just, you know, you feel it in every session is my system is listening to their system. So you feel heard in such a sort of sacred deep way that even just a conversation is not the same it's it's really yeah I had one Pilates client who trained with me for three years one-to-one and we were you imagine in my studio just her and I generally people open up to me and she came and then when I finished my qualification for cranial and I did a session and I felt in her system something I never recognized in her before and she started getting emotional on the table and opened up about having anxiety and I was blown away because I thought how have we been in a room for three years people generally open up to me you've never told me this you've never opened up in literally 30 minutes of receiving cranial and it was because she felt heard she felt understood on a deeper level it's uh, it's really beautiful. Wow. Um, I'm curious about cranial sacral therapy in a sense that um, does someone need to see the therapist, uh, you know, X amount of times? Like, how do you decide how many sessions would mm. help you to heal? 
Yeah, it's a difficult one because it's a little bit like saying how long is a piece of string? It's not a set thing. I tend to say to people in the beginning, because if you think about especially with adults, children are a different thing. Children might do between one to three, maybe up to five, and they're good. Adults do need a little bit more. So I my general rule is to say when they first come, try and commit to once a week for five sessions because there's years of trauma in there. And, you know, trauma, people say, oh, trauma. Trauma doesn't have to be anything heavy. We all have some form of trauma, suppressed emotions. Give yourself five sessions to really feel the benefit. Also, we're sort of training the nervous system how it feels to be in rest and digest and giving them the space to allow to feel safe in that. If somebody comes and does one session, the likelihood is after some time, they'll start going back into those old patterns. On your IG page, which is amazing, by the way, it has great supports to refer to over and over. Thank you for posting them. And thank you for um, the transparency that you have and the vulnerability that you have to to post these quite personal reflections. Thank you for that. Thank you. You said something quite powerful on your IG page, which is that we are our own healers and no one can heal us but ourselves, but that you as a healer can hold space for the person to heal. How does... Uh, someone go about doing so with the guidance of a craniosacral therapist to say heal our physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional parts. I'm curious what we need to do to heal ourselves if someone like yourself would hold space. What would be the process we would have to do? So I would almost say you have to do nothing and everything, okay? Oh, so okay. It's, it's less about doing and more about surrendering. So it's not when you come to me for a session, you're not expected to do anything as in logically, I'm going to lie here and this is going to happen and I have to allow, no. But be open-minded, be open to So what I always say to people, let's, for example, say somebody comes in with a sore shoulder. 99% of the time, I'm going to take it at the same, basically, that's an emotional issue, not physical. Okay, so most of the things, disease, disorder, is emotional, not physical. Let's say, magically, I have the gift to remove that shoulder pain, but that person is not ready to let go of it could be fear stuck in there. It could be anger stuck in there. It could be grief stuck in there. So when I'm working with somebody with cranial, when they're ready, I can feel the grief leaving their body. I had wow. a lady come in this week and she opens up to me about something that happened as a child that she did not get the support of her parents. She was very young. She came in with shoulder pain. I didn't even go near her shoulder. I just went to where her body guided me to go. And the difference in her by the end of the session, and she messaged me last night, she said, I have zero shoulder pain because she was ready to let it go. I really don't, do not like the word healer, but 
for the sake of you know what people's expectations are i did put on my instagram energy healer because that's what people look for i am not a healer i am i am my own healer you're your own healer um if somebody's not ready to let something go that that's just basically the way it is so do we have to be aware uh, internally of our body and say okay you know i'm ready to let whatever comes out of the session i'm ready to let it go like do we have to be aware of perhaps what the uh, mental or emotional disturbances within us and and bring it up into awareness and then say i'm going to do something about it i'm going to see a practitioner to help me such as a cranial sacral therapist mm -hmm. and i am going to surrender and let go of whatever comes up is that sort of like something that one needs to kind of be conscious about so mostly no because if you look at the subconscious mind it's that it's 90 percent. so actually this is not cranial this is the energy healing i'm connecting with the person on a subconscious level to see where they're ready to let things go and sometimes people are consciously aware of things and sometimes they're not there's times that they do need to bring it into their conscious awareness and there's other times that they don't. I had a lady who was lying on the table and I could feel immense grief leaving her system. And I said to her, I really, you know, I feel the grief. And she said, no, I don't feel that really. She, she, it's not that she didn't believe me, but she just couldn't connect to that emotion. The difference when she sat up on that bed energetically emotionally physically everything was lighter so she allowed it on a subconscious level to leave her system but it wasn't something that she was consciously aware of what incredible work you do thank you in terms of shifting our energy to a higher state of vibration you talk on your IG page about gratitude, moving our bodies, and remembering a happy memory. I'm curious about gratitude. There's lots of talk about gratitude these days. Um, mm. What is it about gratitude that shifts our energy to a higher vibration? Um, and can we apply that any time of the day if we're feeling low? So the first thing I would say about gratitude, and this is from my own journey, for the longest time I was in this toxic positivity place yes. of always looking for the positive in people and situations. And I, it's very important. And at the end of the day, we should be a balance of light and dark. We're not purely light and we're not purely dark. And it's very important because if, if you have a problem and it's something that's really upsetting you and somebody tells you, write down three things you're grateful for it's, it's not helpful in that moment so I would say first of all when you're going through something tough acknowledge that whether it's journaling the biggest thing for me is really allowing you to feel the emotions first because yes. otherwise you push it down with that toxic positivity then the gratitude list so something I refer to a lot is the map of consciousness with David Hawkins where we're, we, we are all energy and loosely we go from fear to love. There's a lot more in between before and after, but let's say from fear to love. And it's something I talk about on my Instagram as well. When you're operating 
from on the number on the scale 200 and below, you're, you're coming from a place of fear or anger or jealousy. It is not a nice place to be. A lot of people on the planet are living in this vibration. When we're living there, that you attract more negativity. You're less in flow. Gratitude is one of the quickest ways to start to bring your frequency up so you can start coming into courage, into love, into joy, into these more elevated emotions so that your consciousness also elevates. When you're in that energy, flow starts to come, abundance starts to come. So it's not just positivity, it's energy attracts, you know, it's like for like. When you're in a negative place, you're going to attract more negativity. When you're in a positive place, attract more positivity. So when I'm going through a problem, I take a moment, I breathe, I allow myself to connect with the emotion I'm feeling. So a really powerful tool that I learned from my mentor, because emotion is energy in motion. We should feel an emotion for 60 to 90 seconds. My generation particularly, we were taught to suppress. Don't cry, be quiet. And this is what we're trained to do. Now what I do with myself and with my children and with my clients, let's, for example, say something's happened. Number one, name the emotion, anger. Where do you feel it in your body? Stomach. What is the intensity out of 10? Nine. What is the color? Dark red. What is the texture? Sticky. That simple tool in a very quick moment allows somebody to just allow that emotion to flow so it doesn't get stuck in the body. Especially if we can teach children that, they're not going to have the suppressed emotions carried into adulthood, which will then manifest as physical and possibly mental health issues. So then after connecting with the emotion, allowing that to flow, then come into gratitude. I may pick up my phone. I may just write down everything that comes to me that I feel grateful for. If I don't have access to my phone, I do it in my head. Um, you know, I really, for me, looking at the sun, looking at the sky, that in itself lifts my mood. So it can be lots of different ways. I love what you just spoke about, how we speak to the emotion, being aware of it and not suppressing it. Um, yes. And that's very useful to ask ourselves these questions. And then we acknowledge it, we're aware of it, and then we release it. And then we move on to something in, you know, that that elevates our vibration, which that that is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. You're welcome. talk to us about shadow work you talk about shadow work um and boundaries can be quite challenging and difficult to do so how can we do so without feeling guilty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a good question having been a people pleaser for the longest time this is what I always say to people that are starting to come out of it. You deal with so much guilt in the beginning because it feels so alien. But 
so shadow work is basically all those aspects of ourselves that we deem unacceptable the pieces of us we don't want it's, it's actually not even that we don't want other people to see it it's more we don't want to see it within ourselves and it can be our fears our insecurities repressed emotions unresolved trauma and what we want to do is we want to be able to bring that up acknowledge it and integrate it a lot of the time Let's even say, for example, from a physical perspective, somebody carrying extra weight, that weight came on as a defense mechanism, as a form of protection. And we need to give love to that because the more we have resentment towards these pieces of us, it, it really just doesn't flow. So the more you can find gratitude for these pieces, like the, the darker sides of ourselves, the more you'll accept it. The, the, the things that I would say in order to... Um, have boundaries without sort of tapping into guilt would be first of all understand your own needs first and foremost sit with yourself journal what's your non-negotiables if that's for example not to be friends with people that are I don't, tell lies then you go through your list of friends and you make that decision because at the end of the day when you're not being your authentic self and not attracting the people that you want to be with you're not being true to yourself I always say when, you know, with part of with boundaries is obviously learning to say no, which is really tough in the beginning, but say no from the heart and say it with kindness. If somebody asks you to do something, there is many ways you can say it. And if you say no, thank you for asking me. I really appreciate it. I don't feel like it because of X, Y, and Z. So communication is the next one. It's so important to communicate your no and why. Sometimes you don't have to, but within the right reason and absolutely self-care so self-care is a bit of a buzzword you know talking about it but when we're not taking care of our needs having boundaries is worse and I notice it even just with children when I don't take care of myself and they are pushing me to the maximum it's much harder for me to be sort of within my boundaries I'll much easier say just do that. No, 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 you know, and I allow myself to be pushed around. When your cup is more full, it is much easier to stand in your power and say, no, that just doesn't work for me. And I think just having that understanding, it is not selfish to put yourself first. It's absolutely essential. And a big epiphany I had in the last year is nobody is supposed to love you more than you love yourself. Wow. If everybody on the planet loved themselves the most, I honestly think we'd be in a much better place. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Curious, what would your message be um, as a takeaway for us to consider? So I just shared part of it, but it would yes. be no one will put you first. You should put yourself first. Wow. No one should love you more than you love yourself. And no one is coming to save you. You're going to save yourself. Wow. Yes. Very powerful takeaways. Thank you for sharing those. Do you have a personal quote that you don't mind sharing with us? Yeah, sure. So I've recognized through working with my spiritual mentor in the last 12 months that I, I always have felt drawn to working with women and I will still work with women, but my mission is to work with children. 
So a, a quote that's something that really resonates a lot with me is, children are our tomorrow, so let's take care of them today. Very true. Very, very true. Mm. What would uh, you say that brings you a lot of joy and reward in your practice? Yeah, you know, the messages I receive, I mean, if I could take a picture before the session and after the session of the shift in people energetically, physically, everything, and then the messages I receive from people, the impact it's having on, on them as an individual, but even as that filters through the family system for them, it's, um, it's yeah, it's beautiful. Wow. Chanel, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. You've said some very powerful uh, words that um, are that are that resonate with myself that I want to say thank you so much for um, your time with us. Thank you so much, Janelle. Thank you so much for having me, Sheila. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and would like to get notified as soon as a new one is uploaded, kindly press follow on the top of your screen. Additionally, to be part of our Instagram community, we're at Discovering Alternative Healing. With gratitude, take good care.